Hi, my name is Todd Quincy. You're listening to Open Jam. Today I am joined by Adam Helms and Steve Maxwell of River's Edge. Gentlemen, how are you? How you doing, Todd? Great. All right, awesome. Um, so this can be, there, there could be a lot of subjects we could discuss, but um, I want to try to uh, cut to the chase and tell us, uh, tell the listeners, how did we actually get a River's Edge in Hamilton? Who wants to take that one? Oh, uh, man. So, so I moved here in 2000, late 2010, early 2011. Um, and when I moved here, there, were, there was already a plan uh, in place to build River's Edge. So the amphitheater was coming. I had seen the plans. Um, I had nothing to do with the construction of the amphitheater, getting it built, the planning. Uh, when I showed up in town, it was, it was scheduled to be built in like two years. Um, so knowing that, uh, I saw we had a concert series already and, uh, I called Steve Maxwell and I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, what's the deal with this concert series? And like, I didn't know anybody in town. I didn't even know anybody at the city at that time. Cause I had just moved here from Wisconsin. So I called Steve, he was running, uh, parks at the time and just kind of asked him what's up with, uh, the concert series. And, uh. Steve, I don't know. You want what was going on with the concert series at that time in 2010 ish? Man, I, I tell you what, it was. I don't want to say nothing bad, but it wasn't what I thought a concert series should be. And um, I remember you calling me one day and you brought that thing up, and I'm like, man, we got to get real bands in here. We're playing at gazebos in these small parks, and you know, there's five people showing up. I, I see some of these bands around here. We should have thousands of people. And uh, we kind of clicked right then, I think, a long time ago. Yeah, so it seems like uh, we got a show wagon. We got we got this show wagon, and we can we could haul that thing around. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it's better than a gazebo. Let's use a show wagon. And um, So you used what you had. Yeah. Yeah. Neither, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used what we had, and, like, we started booking bands – and it never dawned on me that we were going to need somebody to run sound. Like I was so naive about how concerts worked at that time that I assumed bands traveled with their own sound system. But at some point, somebody informed me that, hey, you're going to need a PA. Uh, so we had, uh, I think Gary Brockman helped us out that first year, um, year and a half or two with PA. Um, but yeah, so we started booking shows and... Um, had them, we were going to move the show wagon around different locations in Hamilton uh, just to get people used to the concept of Thursday night we're going to have music. Um, and I think the first year we did like six or seven. We did one at Bailey Square. We did one by the courthouse. We did, I think like, maybe we did the rest of them, rest of them under the parking garage. Did we do them anywhere we, else? We did them all over town. Wherever with it, they'd have us and they had electric. So this is the same show trailer that is used that used to be, like if there was a rain out, it would go under the parking garage. I remember, I've been here this long, Todd, at the city of Hamilton. I remember when we bought that thing. <laughs> and actually, Jerry Reed, Little Texas, all those guys kind of played on that back in the day, pre-90s. And we still had this old thing around. Is that for the Fort Hamilton days? That yes. trailer. Wow. Yes. What's right. this? What's this past tense stuff? We still. That's still our backup plan. That yeah, is. A, that is. is our backup plan. It, it was well worth its money when the Rotary Club uh, bought it a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the, I, we, we had Josh Brock here not too long ago, and he talked about the first River's Edge show from his memory. So was that the, the very first River's Edge show was what year? Uh, 2012? 2012. Okay. And that was Josh Brock and... Josh Brochier. Brock, Ryan Bro- yeah, Ryan Brochier headline, Josh Brock, or 90 Proof Twang opened. Yeah, I remember when I called to to book Manny Proof Twang, I was like, well, how much is it going to cost? How about 400? And he's like, yeah, (laughs) you know, $400 was a lot to them back then. Absolutely. So, okay. So that show happened in Hamilton, but you're saying that was then a, like a traveling road show. You took it to other locations in town. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I wanted to do a show down in Bailey square cause like I, I, it was a nice public square and we got some resistance. They're like, well, I, you know, you shouldn't, Maybe maybe do shows other places, different parks. And we went to Bailey Square, and Bailey Square gave us a great reception. Awesome. It was a really great, uh, really great to see that neighborhood turn out, and we had a great show. And then we went back to the courthouse. Um, man, I know we went somewhere else. Maybe German Village, um, a show show down there. But the whole the whole point was to get people used to live music. It was like, hey, Thursday. we're going to have live music in Hamilton, and the, there's a building, a venue for us, so get used to it. Yeah, what they tell us, they're like, you can't do it on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, Oxford, Fairfield. Oxford, and Fairfield does it on Thursdays. No, like, no offense, to Oxford or, or Fairfield, right. but like, we're like, I said, this we was, want them to move their day. Yeah, the mentality for, that for we us. had was like, we're going to do something that's so different than what Oxford and Fairfield are doing that they'll have to accommodate us in a couple of years. Cause we're not going to do the same thing. And that was a really big contentious issue when I first started, you know, we had the existing concert series and it wasn't rock and roll by any means, but it had uh, a, a dedicated following, a small vocal dedicated following. Mm-hmm. And we started steering a different direction and uh, let's see how to go. That first year we actually had to, uh, we decided the existing concert series, we gave them the option. So like, Hey, you guys can kind of get with us. We're going to do this. Um, and we'll try to blend what you're doing into, into our lineup. And they didn't want to do it. And they went on their own and I said, okay. So after that first year, we ended up having to pay for half of their concert series. Cause they didn't, they ran out of, out of money. So I, I may have missed something you said, but the concert was the cons the other concert series. There's two entities in this picture. Yeah. The other one is also a Hamilton function. Right. River's Edge almost never got off the ground because they didn't want or the other series didn't want to do rock and roll and blinky lights and fog gotcha. and fog machines. So that was that was a battle in itself just to get get the concept off the ground. Uh, selling beer was a foreign concept. Uh, that was a contentious yeah, issue. When we at the pulled beginning. that off, I, I was like, "Well, we got it now." Yeah, yeah. It seems to be a necessity. Exactly. So you you alluded to something, or alluded to something, um, like you ran into some contentious situations, and I and I have a feeling this will come up again and again tonight because I, being a, a resident or a native of Hamilton, um, you know, I'm I'm really surprised we have something like River's Edge, and part of that surprise. Um, comes from, uh, you know, maybe maybe where the decisions are made, they're made with m- maybe a level a level of unnecessary courtesy or a safety, uh, a real safe approach. And I think um, credit to you. I think it took someone who was out of town, who needed um, 
who, who, well, you needed friends, I'm sure. At the same time, you didn't have any relationships that you needed to overly be concerned about, and you had a mission. And you just kind of charged through that, and then yeah, I don't, I don't, without sounding conceited, because I'm not a conceited person, but I don't think it'd be really difficult for somebody from Hamilton or who grew up here who is entrenched with um, local connections to cut through all that and just, and just not, not mm-hmm. care and just go straight for the, the mission. And, um, you know, I was what, 20, 25, 26. I didn't know how long I was going to be in Hamilton one year, two years, five years. Um, you know, at the time it wasn't crossing my mind to stay here forever. So I just wanted to get to the point and, and get it going. And if I got ran out of town for it, I got ran out of town right. for it. So it was a risky deal back then to to sell beer and do things like this. It I, was like, what are you doing? You know. I would say a, a good move on on your part, Adam, was when you did reach out to Steve because you actually had someone who had you know good grounding in Hamilton and kind of could navigate um, maybe the way things are were you know. Uh, well, he knew, he knew that bands needed a PA system at least. So, I mean, <laughs> like there there was that. That's good. Todd, you just don't understand. I think the first time we had to revive us, I don't mean to skip ahead on you, but we didn't even know what a, a snake was. We didn't know what a digital board was, nothing. We just had everything that I know now, and so does Adam, but we had everything ran straight to the board. So we had every XLR cable that we had. It looked like spaghetti. And I remember the guy that came with her just looking at that, you know, for the revivalists, and they're like, I don't know who did that. <laughs> um, yeah. That's how far we've come. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, early early um, years was a challenge just to get it off the ground. But the shows themselves were great. I think we did uh, we did 90 Proof Twang, Ryan Brochier. Scotty Bratcher was in there that year, I think. Um, he's been back, like, every year. The revivalists were part of that first Um series man balderdash i think yeah i remember balderdash balderdash 105 degrees yeah i was like yeah it was really hot one of the guys overheated on stage and the ambulance had to show up uh <laughs> keith jones and the makeshifts i remember them they were a rockabilly group they might have played with balderdash on that hot day yeah um but yeah there were like six or seven shows and now we're doing you know 15 15 a year or something like that yeah and you you honestly make it look easy but i think that would be a good now would be a good time to tell us exactly how difficult this is. I mean, this year especially. Hmm. Or maybe it's not difficult. <laughs> well, it's got down to a science a little bit. Yeah, we, we've kind of been through a lot of uh, difficulties, and you work through them, and the next time it's not that bad. So we're kind of seasoned veterans now, I think. Nothing, like, bothers us. We've had big boys at our place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had mistakes <laughs> at our place. And um, we fixed them real quick. The crowd didn't even know how. We've had the electric go out on us in the middle of a concert before. Yeah. And the city-wide, what do you do? Good night, folks. Yep, see ya. So we've, you got to have some butt-in-the-seat time to figure all that kind of stuff out. That's a funny story real quick. Then we'll go back. We can talk about setting up. But when the power went out on ACDC, like that, the power going out mercifully saved us because we ran out of beer. There were so many people that wow. night that right. like they, they, we sold out of beer in like the first – by like nine o'clock or something, there's still like an hour left of the show. We were half an hour into the ACDC set, and like, like beer left, and like this yeah. could get this could get bad. And then uh, the power went out, so it was unfortunate, but kind of helped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but setting up the River's Edge week to week, like people see us, we were out 
the past, like we had our first show this past Saturday, but the two Fridays before that, we were out at River's Edge working out the kinks on lights, sound, rehearse. We it was a tech rehearsal, and people would walk by and be like, "Who's playing tonight?" And that's when it starts to register with me. Is like a lot of people don't understand how much time and effort goes into setting up a show. I mean, because a show every Thursday isn't just us setting up speakers and going like Steve and I talk about the shows every single day leading up to it. Hey, do we have this? You know, do you have beer? Do we have water? Do we have line spray painted this year? You know, where are we at with advance? What time are the bands showing up? Like, it's yeah, just, you got to think about garbage and yeah, cleaning up the venue. Jesus. It's it, there's a million things, and that's just for a free show. Like when you do something like Wimmy Diddle or Big River Get Down, where it's multiple days. Like that's just a, I mean, setting up the fence, taking take that's a that's a undertaking in itself. Um, but it's it's a never ending process. So really, once we start the season, we don't stop talking about it. It just goes from week to week. Um, and then, man, even in the off season, it's, it's booking the bands, uh, working on the promotional materials, like those videos that we put out to promote the shows, like they don't create themselves. We have to build those. Um, it just, it's a never ending list of, mm-hmm. of things that go on. Yeah. As soon as the concert's over, like the other night on 4th of July, we start thinking about the following week. What can we make better? Yeah. We talked about and it. It just never, never ends. It goes through the winter until you start it back up. Well, season after season after season, it, that's partly why things keep improving is because you, you keep practicing. Correct. Just like the bands. Yeah, we try to come up with something new every year. I mean, there, at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. Um, but, you know, for the first you know six, seven years, it was let's buy moving lights, let's buy a video curtain, um, you know, light controllers, soundboards, like Steve said, we were, you know, running, I don't know what kind of soundboard we had in the light controller. Like it looked like a, the first Mac or something like that. I don't know what we were uh, using. I remember locking myself at work and I didn't even know how to turn it on. And I had to learn, I ran the lights for like three or four years. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but you learn and we got through it. Now we got a real good staff. Yeah. And, And you know what, what, what makes me happy is, I think it was like the I think the first year at Rivers Edge we didn't even have a top yet, mm-hmm. and um, me and Adam were doing something. I try not to look at the crowd <laughs> until the music starts. And I remember it was real early, like the first year that we were at Rivers Edge. That's so that's year two, and I couldn't see no green grass. It was full. I'm like, holy moly! So I got to give a big shout out to all the people that come to River's Edge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just great to see. I love watching people have fun. So the f- folks who um, are listening to this are probably supportive or fans of River's Edge. Um, and, you know, there's there's probably folks who aren't. Do you hear from those people as like residents of Hamilton who haven't bought in just yet or is, is 10 years running that doesn't happen as much like again you you bust a few hurdles of can we sell beer can we break you know these paradigms that the city's in now 10 years running do you still run into to roadblocks not necessarily from um you know higher levels but just just i can just I can, folks i can tell you what blows my mind <laughs> you know like we'll have uh this weekend we'll have people come down as far as dayton to see scotty bratcher Mm-hmm. And they tell you how good this venue is. What they wish they had one in their hometown. And I still run into people today that I love dearly. That like, you have an amphitheater. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you 
you know? Yes, we do have an amphitheater. Come down. They come down. They're like, oh, my gosh. They're proud of Hamilton. So I wish that happened a lot more. I really do. So just more awareness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. We don't. I mean, really, the only nobody has ever walked up to me to my face and said, man, what you're doing at River's Edge is really terrible. I wish it never would have happened. I mean, we get critiques on social media, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number of people who have talked to me either in person at a show or, you know, have left a positive comment on Facebook, a lot of people, you know, this is the greatest thing Hamilton's ever done. You mm-hmm. know, people tell me that and like that, that means a lot. Um, so yeah, I, in the, in the resistance anymore, as far as, you know, the politics goes, uh, no, like it's, it's not an issue, um, at all. It was in those early years and when the city started realizing when we first started um, putting tickets out just where you could claim a free ticket, it's always, you know, been free. We've been doing the free tickets or VIP tickets for the past several years. And that was, it started as an idea for, to give me an idea how many people were coming. So like how much beer and food and stuff to order. But what it turned into was it justified river's edge as a tourism and music destination um, to, decision makers in Hamilton. They didn't understand why we were, why we weren't booking, you know, their cousin's band or the local band that plays at the tavern every night. But then when I showed them, like, look at where people are coming from. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had, we have 48 states and three different countries that have attended shows at River's Edge. And like, but for River's Edge or that music venue, you know, we have Ice Fest and some, and some cool things, but, and people do travel for that. But like, I mean, that's once a year. We do it every week for, you know, three months. Um, so it, we, the city has realized that the tourism value and the, the estimated econ- economic impact to the local economy is a million dollars and we do 15 shows. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great return on investment, wow. you know, and we should, we should touch brief, briefly on that. A lot of people think, um, that the city runs, River's Edge. I, I work for the city of Hamilton, but I started River's Edge in my off time. Like when I was 26 or was when I moved here, there was nothing going on. I'm like, man, we got to do something after five o'clock. So we want the music concept. And we kind of talked about that already. Um, <clears throat> I lost what I was going to say there for a second. I'm going to have to edit this part out. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, that's what it, that's, that's what it was. Um, so yeah, the, some people think that the city um, runs River's Edge. River's Edge is, is run by, by volunteers. When I, when I started the concept, I volunteered my time after work to put it together. I still spend a lot of my time after work putting together the websites and stuff like that. So this was never in my official job description at the city. My job at the city is to abate nuisances and uh, manage the refuse contract. So... Um, the first year we did it, the, the city did run it and we scraped together like 5,000 bucks in sponsorships. And then at the end of the season, I think we had made like 20 grand <laughs> or something like that through, through beer and, uh, other sponsorships. <clears throat> so I come back after that first season I went to the finance director. I'm like, Hey, can I get that, that 20,000 bucks? I need to start booking bands again for the concert series. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, she's like, what are you talking about? I said, you know, I gave you, after every show, I gave you some money that, you know, people bought, you know, 
either donated money or gave us bought money for beer and I, we were going to put that towards concerts and they're like oh no 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 that was never that that's not the case that money you don't have that money we didn't reappropriate it in the budget so you know, we had modest beginnings. We started with zero. We raised 5,000 bucks and we got up to 20 by the end of the year and then it just disappeared. So we had to start over at zero in year two. And that's when we moved. Um, we, we took the city out of the equation and uh, we started up our own designated fund at the Hamilton Community Foundation, which is a nonprofit. Um, and that's that's where River's Edge lives. So any sponsorship money or if you buy a ticket to the show or if you buy a beer, uh, that goes to the Hamilton Community Foundation, and it sits in an account that we use to pay bands and buy lights. Uh, nobody gets paid. I don't get paid out of that money. Steve doesn't get paid. Uh, it's there for for us to get good bands. And, like, we've been incrementally growing it over the years, and that's why you see more bands mm-hmm. coming through. So that was uh, bringing it full circle. Um, I want it, the, city does, the city does still help out with the fact that um, – on Thursdays, the guys who have to pick up trash and uh, cut grass and do really dirty jobs in the city get to take a break, um, a few of them, and they come and help us set up River's Edge. Um, so the city does contribute with, with some help there. I want you to think about it's Thursday night. I'm sorry, tomorrow will be Thursday night. This is this is fictitious. Tomorrow's mm-hmm. Thursday night. You're going to bed on Wednesday. What's on your mind? Well, if you do sleep, it's according to the caliber of the band. <laughs> Um, the first thing you do when you finally wake up, if you do go to sleep is you check the weather mm-hmm. and you look at, it's going to be 12%. Oh my God, it's 12% chance of rain. Damn it. What are we going to do? Um, and then you just make your way. Um, I know we get there early and, uh, people don't know, you know, they come for, for a show they don't realize that people are there at seven o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. How many setting people? All that up. Um, we got a staff of about eight, about eight folks that do just the sound production. That show up at seven in the morning. Yeah, they roll everything out, and set up all the gear because you got to realize that sound checks start early. You know, bigger um, get downs five a.m. That was right. ridiculous last year. Wow, five a.m. You know, you're in the dark and you're out there and you get everything set up and. You know, you're sound checking at nine, ten in the morning, and um, so are are you on site that early as well yourself? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so cup of coffee and and you have a little and, sequence of an agenda that you're saying yes. by this time we need to have this done. You got to have it done. You don't have a choice. You know, these are big boys that are here when we get those big concerts. You got to take care of business, um, and we've got a lot of compliments. Um, they can't believe because always my joke is. You guys are the special forces. We're just the national guard of this stuff. We only do it once a week. You do it every day. That's my inside joke there um, with uh, people that come in. Um, it takes us a minute. They realize we know what we're doing, and we're off and running. You know, we unload semis, big trucks, put up video walls. It's unbelievable what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I don't uh, – Wednesday night. So a lot of my work is done, uh, you know, day of show, you know, I, I – try to run you know set up the front the front of house not the sound but like box office ticketing um some signs and like this you're having to spray paint the grasses is kind of a pain but um usually come day show aside from monitoring the weather um, most of my work is done um steve steve and his crew take care of the venue you know andy kirk and clint handle the stage uh yeah i just get to 
more or less glad hand with the bands and hand them checks and I'm a nervous tell, point to like here's where the water is here's yeah. where the here's where the beer and the snacks are. I'm a nervous wreck until their last song mm-hmm. <laughs> when they say we got one more you know or they do an encore then I'm I don't care what happens after that because we've made it <laughs> you know that's when I can relax no need to panic right okay so go back to um, ACDC night. And the lights go out or the power goes out. The first thing I what did. What went through your brain? <laughs> well, first we were sending people to Minix to buy like 12, all the 12 <laughs> packs that so we could get our hands on it. Like, I don't think you're supposed to do that, but whatever. We were, yeah. uh, we were selling like 12 ounce cans of beer, trying to buy that, solve that uh, problem. But yeah, I remember I looked around and I, first thing I did is I checked, you know, everything on the stage is dead. And then for some reason, I remember looking up and going, oh, the street lights are out too. It's not us. There you go. Okay, it's not us. Relax. Turn everything off in case it kicks back on, which it never did. And you know what caused that thing? Mm-mm. A happy birthday Mylar balloon yeah. shaped in a heart that hit a transformer down the road. Wow. <laughs> Got taken yeah. out by a Marla- Mylar balloon. Yeah, wow. a Mylar balloon can shut you down. I just remember, like, they said, um, you know, this is the, not these words exactly, but this is going to be a special moment for us. Or we're going to do something we never do. We're going to play a song we never do. And they weren't able to. That's right. <laughs> like they, I think they, they started three seconds of that song, yeah. which I, I want to guess was Power Age. I, I don't recall what it was. I, c- I could be wrong on that. But I just think the irony of it, if it right. is Power Age, is even better. Um, exactly. Okay. So that's not even the worst one, though. Like we can't we can't do this and talk about pivoting on a dime and without talking about Big River Get Down two thousand eighteen. Oh. oh my goodness! Like I don't I don't necessarily want to rehash that, uh, but that was the most epic thing uh, I think we'll ever accomplish. Just picking up an entire like that that every year is a huge undertaking. Like months, <laughs> months, and year like a year of planning, and you just pick it up on day of show and move it to Kentucky was was ridiculous. well. So go go through the time frame of that. So that that show the gates have opened, uh, a band is playing. Steve's gonna, yeah, Steve's gonna get bitter at me. Well, maybe it wasn't really your call, but like earlier that week, I said there's a hurricane coming and we should move to the rain location. And it wasn't necessarily Steve's call, but I got some pushback from production. They're like, no, that's going to be a nightmare to do it on. I had rented a temporary stage. Like, that's going to be a real pain in the ass to do it on the temporary stage. Like, we'll just struggle through the weather at River's Edge. I'm like, okay, so we'll do it. It wasn't, not blaming Steve. Mm -hmm. But we we had a backup plan, and we opted not to go with it. Roll the dice. Yeah, so we, uh, we had tarped the stage the night before, and had preparations in place and then we got everybody through sound check uh and the first band was playing and it started with the drizzle and then it just started coming and steady steadier the wind was unbelievable yeah and i don't know what steve was thinking but at some point the revivalist agent and manager came and grabbed me and they're like adam we don't this isn't gonna work i'm like yeah i know so uh so did you know what to do? Like, did you already have a, a backup plan in your no, mind? My plan, my backup plan was like, all right, we're going to have to shut it down for a few hours and we can scrabble together a stage over underneath the parking garage. You know, we still had the show wagon. Like, yeah. <laughs> we still got yeah. the show wagon. The show wagon comes right? up so again. Like, it was, it it was disgusting. I remember being in a, in a, uh, in a hotel room with David Shaw and we, we were talking about the show wagon. So we were ready to roll with the show wagon, but so I walked over to look at the site. There was so much rain that water was backing up onto the street and starting to pool onto the street. And to make that location work, you have to run wires across the ground. Hmm. So my backup plan is now out. Um, Had the revivalist management and agent 
not been on site that day, we would have just shut it down, and that would have been really bad for, for River's Edge in the long term. But they knew some folks that uh, they had played at the Madison Theater before, and their agent and manager made some calls and basically told uh, Madison Theater that we're coming down. And we, I don't know what time it was when we packed up. What do you think? Like 2 o'clock or something? 2, 3 o'clock when we pulled pulled the... Yeah, I was standing in a tent, and uh, I just remember saying, we're, we're moving. I'm like, to where? They're like, <laughs> oh, just to a different state. We're so going to Kentucky. You had to find pack up. What what all did you take from we, River's Edge? Everything, all, except for front of uh, the PA. Yeah, all the revivalist gear was out. There they was had a semi full, semi full of equipment. Uh, all the other bands were loaded. We had rented backline gear, lights. Uh, yeah. It was a, a semi. It was a semi truckload for the revivalists. Uh, All the backline, a, a truckload, a box truck full of backline, and a couple bands weren't even there yet. Like Frasco and Samantha Fish weren't there yet, so they just met us down in uh, Covington. But yeah, it was. And then, the, and then the staff. Um, some volunteers came. A lot didn't. Uh, so it was it was me, it was me scanning tickets at the front door and a couple of the stage crew. Um, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't. We had we we there's we no words. A, we no left, words for it. We left Rivers Edge at like two or three, and we had everything set back up. And I think we had music going by like seven or eight o'clock hmm. down in down in Kentucky that day. And I had to take half the staff, and you got to realize we had two truckloads of beer. <laughs> we had to pack all that stuff back up. Yeah. And load the video all while up and then take our PA down. And they went with the other half of them to set another one up. Yeah. It was unbelievable what we did. I remember I got home at like zero dark thirty, as they said in the <laughs> army. Like when Yeah, we got we got we I got home the next morning. I got home at six thirty AM the following morning. We I remember shaking everybody's hand in Covington, saying a great job or whatever and saying goodbye at like five thirty, five forty five in the morning. It was crazy. So out of all the all the most memorable moments, whether they're good or bad, that's one of the most. Anything yeah. anything beat that? Well, I tell you what, I, I talked to we, Adam on the, earlier today. I'm like, I can. There's places where I'm at in Rivers Edge, and I'm like, I was right here the first time I heard Marcus King. Yes, um, I was over here, and I talked to Neil Cassell, which was cool to me. You know, there's memories in there for me like that. Um, the first time when I saw uh, Del McCurry step off his bus and he looked like he does at showtime, his hair is perfect at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, you just have memories like that that you take with you. In between, you work in your butt off the entire day. Exactly. It's, I, I do it for things like that and for, for what I love to watch people have a good time. Uh, there's a guy I know named Todd Quincy. Um, during one of our shows, I could saw I just saw how happy you were because that was your one of your favorite bands. Oh, I play. So I think I dig that. I really do. I'm kind of the guy if you're if you're fishing with somebody and they catch a fish, you're just as happy. You're happy for them. Exactly. So that's how I feel about that. It's very nice of you to say. It's yeah. nice of you to bring me up in your story too. By the way. <laughs> I just I just distinctly remember that. So, back to Thursday, you've you've 
you've busted through the lights, you've busted through the sound, you've got front of house open, the box office is open. Steve, you're going to you're going to tell me that you don't relax until the very end. Adam, do you relax at some point during that day or are you already relaxed from Wednesday because the bulk of your work is done? I try to I mean there's there's always something popping up. Uh, my phone's always buzzing whether it's a band needs something or there's an issue at the front of house or I'm not even surprised by the crazy stuff that pops up on day show anymore, but I do try to take if I can't watch the whole set, like at least try to sit down and watch 30 minutes of, of every band set. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do, after every show, I try to provide feedback to the band or the agent, like, here's how the show went. That's what I thought. Um, so yeah, I try to, I try to watch everybody that comes through. Um, usually, you know, we're, we're busy. I'm busy day of show, but once the doors open, um, I get, I get a little bit chance to relax and that's when I get to walk around and just observe things and, uh, helps me you know, figure out what we need to do next. Mm-hmm. So back to, you mentioned, um, you know, agents are given feedback. I, I would imagine that over the 10 year history, and again, some of the monumental things you were able to pull off, such as River's Edge, I'm sorry, uh, Big River Get Down uh, during the rain out. Um, but just bringing bands who may not know where Hamilton is, but more importantly, giving them a place and showing them, I, I imagine, an incredible level of hospitality from the town itself and then a good turnout from the crowd. I I can see where some of those relationships that you're building from that management would start to pay off in the future. Are you able to talk about any of that or how that rolls out? Yeah. I mean, we, that first year back to the show wagon, um, I think everybody was pretty much local or not represented by an agency or management or anything except for the revivalists. Um, and and they've they've been instrumental. Uh, Dave Shaw and his his management team agent have been instrumental in in bringing talent to Hamilton. Not only that, but like telling me what I should do. I like I said, I didn't know you needed a PA system, so like I didn't know the lingo of how these people talked. So they'd be some some things that I take for granted now. Very basic terminology. Like I had to stop and ask them, like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. Um, so I was so naive and so green at that point. Uh, so I owe them a, a gratitude attitude for for kind of teaching me the ropes, and then you know making <clears throat> helping me make connections with their their agent friends or other bands that they manage. Um, you know, they would tell other agents in their agency, like, "Hey." We had, you know, the revivalist played here. Or I sent a client here a couple of weeks ago, and the band said it was great. They had a great time. So yeah, we've we really try to be hospitable and show the bands a great time and and take care of them when they come here, so that they go back to their agents and managers and say, yeah, man, that play was place was great. We'd love to go back. And you know, that agent or manager represents ten other bands, mm-hmm. so they will send their clients here. So every every year, your calls get answered. A, a, a little more um, efficiently or promptly to, to some of these other managements now. I think I remember like uh, year two when we were first moving in. I, I specifically remember, I'm not going to say the talent agency, but I remember telling them we got a new venue and I was checking on some artists and this and that and how much they were booking for. And he basically said, uh, call me back if uh, in your new venue if all the toilets flush. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Right. So, and we've come from there to now, um, agents and talent agencies and record labels call Adam. Yeah. They seek us out, which is really, really cool. Some of the people that, um, we get, we get calls from some, you know, surprise me. The the one that I laugh about is Toby Keith asked to come play here one time 
And I'm like, <laughs> how much? Like, how much does Toby Keith cost? And they're like, uh, five hundred thousand dollars or something. Which I don't know. For Toby Keith, might be a bargain. But like, I don't have five hundred thousand right. dollars <laughs> to pay Toby Keith. Um, but it was it was flattering, I guess, that he, we were on that radar. You know. And I love the way that. Uh... We, we kind of do it for the right reasons. We're not in it to make money um, like you would be to feed your family. Mm-hmm. We're in it to make money to put back into it. So uh, I know the bands love the way they're treated at our venue, and that's real important to us. Mm-hmm. So. so the the bands that you want to have um, you know, play at River's Edge, like I, I imagine it's not just who contacts you. You guys are seeking certain bands out and and – all styles of music, you know, have a champion. I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, have their favorite band in their back pocket all the time and are constantly trying to, you know, encourage their friends to listen to it. And you guys are in a unique position because not only can you play that cassette for somebody um, or CD or MP3, uh, but more importantly, you can actually bring that band in front of people live and let them see the essence of, of, of that band that you really enjoy. And is it safe to say that some of the bands that are showing up or or coming to the stage are bands that you guys are intently chasing to get here? There's bands that we've chased since day one, and we've never caught them. You want to tell me not, who that is? I'm not going to say who they are. I will. Man, we had Sergio Simpson lined up to come here and play. Like, we had Sergio Simpson, Chris Stapleton, and Lake Street Dive all lined up to come here and play here. And uh, for some reason, it just, yeah, it just didn't happen. Um, wasn't uh, Wasn't... A choice of my own, but it, it didn't uh, didn't happen. But nonetheless, yeah. Um, personal, like I try not to. I try to be unbiased when we curate the lineup. Do everybody's got their personal favorites? I mean, right. I mean, if you ask me, it would be country and southern rock every every week. But you can't do that, you know. Right. If you we gotta be diverse. If this was about money, we would we would book. You would see nothing but tribute bands at Riverside. Mm-hmm. If it was about money, that's all you'd see. And there are some that do that. There are some venues, summer series that book all tribute bands. But um, I... that's actually that's a really good point because, um, and I like the fact that you've prior to ever saying that you've mentioned that it's not about the money. Um, and uh, you know maybe we can get into what it really, really is about as well. But I hear all the time if you know people say I don't, I don't know why we just don't have a tribute band and a local band every week because if you want a crowd, that's going to get a crowd. At the same time, it isn't. It, the goal is to have a big crowd there, but right. there's 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 a level, in my opinion, for Rivers Edge that it's it's outdoor, it's music. If you like drinking beer, there's beer. If you want water, there's water. What else can you do within a forty mile, fifty mile, even sixty mile radius that's better on any given Thursday night and doesn't cost you a thing if you choose to not spend any money? Yeah, I mean, we really try to balance all that out. Because we want, our concept is original. If it was up to us, we'd have original artists every week. But, you know, you can't go see Led Zeppelin anymore. Yeah. But we try to find the best Led Zeppelin tribute in the mm-hmm. country, and we, we do. Same with ACDC and those other bands. So we understand that. It's a di- different demographic. But if it was up to us, it would be original music every week. If we did tribute bands every week, we'd, we would have never had Tyler Childers and Billy Strings for free on the same night. Wow. Like, you know, that doesn't happen. Yeah, if they, we pay done, the, they pay the bills. Yeah, we wouldn't have done tribute bands. You know, I know David Shaw's from Hamilton, but like the revivalists and, and their management would probably be less keen about coming back. Because it's not just Dave. Dave mm-hmm. will come back here and play a show every year, but like... 
revivalists have to come. There's nine, you know, eight other people in that band. They have to want to come here too. Right. Um, so if, if they were just a one-off thing, you know, they might, they probably do it for Dave, but I think, you know, making those relationships, those connections with management and agents, like I alluded to earlier, um, you know, that keeps us relevant on, on the music radar. Like Hamilton has no business being relevant on anybody's music radar. And I, I don't mean that to be offensive, but uh, typically you don't get, you know, artists throwing a, a, a dark, you know, pinpointing Hamilton as a place to come right. through. Uh, Cincinnati, yes. Right. Um, but yeah, Hamilton um, has surprisingly become a viable destination for especially on thursday nights i told us not to do it on thursday nights and part of the plan from the <laughs> beginning was we are not going to get touring bands to play here on friday or saturday but we sure can catch them on thursday night when they're going to a sh- you know a gig in chicago on friday night or they're going to nashville so that was a, a strategic move not for, to just yeah. trump everybody else who had a thursday from, it was right. to catch people on that, tour i wasn't trying to fight fairfield or oxford right it was very calculated from the beginning it's like, yeah, day one, day one, get them passing through town. Yeah. Wow. When we started this in 2010, 2011, that's when the music industry was transitioning from relying on music, like record sales to make revenue. And it was slowly transitioning into, we have to tour incessantly to make money. So we started right at the golden age of like, before everybody before prices got really high for touring bands, uh, we, we started, yeah. we were doing original music right in that niche time. And we were able to secure a lot of, uh, emerging acts. And i tell you what kills us, Todd is, and there's some great festivals around the country, but the, the big ones with the radius clauses kill independent, which we consider ourselves in, independent. It, it just, it just, man, it makes it tough booking bands. It really does difficulties do you guys have when it comes to booking bands or, or finding bands that come and play at river's edge i mean more and more it's, it's just tough because there's some now there's some great festivals around um you know around louisville lexington you know cincinnati and within our market um but there's many times we've had a band we got this band they're coming all of a sudden we get a call adam gets a call Eh, we're going to this certain such festival, and I'm sorry, but we can't play your venue this year because they have a radius clause. Radius clauses are killing independent um, um, music series and and you know independent festivals. It's uh, and Adam can elaborate on this, but yeah, they uh, they per, uh, protect the investment of the other talent buyers, but it sure makes things difficult <clears throat> like the ones and they're great they're great events so i have nothing bad to say about them but what makes booking difficult for us in particular is uh bunbury and it was just bunbury and nelsonville um but now louisville has the trifecta of festivals it's uh bourbon and beyond hometown rising and yeah. forecastle and so, I mean, <clears throat> between those three <clears throat> they have a radius clause they radius hamilton ohio out of if you play at one of those three festivals in Louisville, you're not playing in Hamilton, Ohio this summer or so Cincinnati. Ten years ago did they say Hamilton, Ohio specifically? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think they radius no. I don't think they radius okay. Hamilton out. But like I mean it takes Cincinnati out of the equation. Yeah, I get it. Um which you know, Louisville's a two hour drive and I get it, but that's 
those those are the types of things we deal with. So we we love to we love to bring everybody's favorite band here, but it's tough. So are those festivals um, like independently uh, curated and and managed, or are they part of a bigger management or or Live Nation type situation? That's the big boys right there. Yeah, I mean, the festivals. Some of them are still. Some of them are AG or like you know bigger bigger promoters, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there yeah there aren't a lot of homegrown like the the homegrown one like there's one in Cincinnati, uh, Whispering Beard Folk Festival. They kind of do the same thing as us. We never get in their way. They they want somebody to come play their their festival and we want to play at Rivers Edge. Great, go ahead, do it. Um, but yeah, the the the, the big festivals kind of kind of take that away, and and you're starting to see. More and more artists, like it makes sense for the artists to go and play those festivals. You want you want your name if you're a band. You want your name on that festival poster, and, yeah. and you want that exposure. Even though so they play it. for thirty minutes, you mm-hmm. know, but thirty there are, minutes and out. There are, there are people like uh, you know, like Billy Strings. They they need to go do that, but they they will talk to us every year about about coming back. They're like they appreciate that we brought when when Billy was he was coming up pretty quick at that time, but he got to play a show with Tyler Childers, and they really wanted to play with Tyler, and so. Then he came back the year after that with Del McCurry. So he, he specifically has said, I like playing at River's Edge, and his agent talks talks to us. Um, you know, they can't always make it work because of what we're talking about, Bunbury, mm-hmm. Forecastle, or other bigger festivals. But, you know, we're in the conversation, which is which is great. So I imagine if what, what you're talking about with festivals and uh, bands and management, um, so they're – you're dealing with like a consolidation of a lot of little pieces that are now being merged into a bigger piece that you're fighting a, a bigger giant instead of a bunch of little giants. Do you want me to say it by name? If you wish. Do you want me to say Live Nation by name? Yes. Yeah, Live, Live Nation is, uh, is um, it's great. I mean, they got a good plan. They got a good model, but um, it's certainly leading towards... I don't know if monopolization is the right word, but it makes makes things challenging. But that's bands have to be in those scenes to to stay relevant, or or they if do. not, they will find someone else to be they, in that scene. They do. They have yeah. to. They have to. You have to do it. So no ill will if someone books with Rivers Edge and then all of a sudden has this opportunity, they will. We would never hold let, a, let a band up. Yeah. Exactly. I just wish that they would consider us not a threat to them mm-hmm. yeah and they could do a trip you know that's right so me. like we, we had a band this summer where we 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 were felt fortunate to have them fortunate to have them on one of our lineups but the only way we we booked them and then a couple weeks later they got a, they got a phone call saying hey we, we want to play the live nation venue just up the road from you and i said well i said we have i actually had a radius clause in this one and uh like yeah, if we can't play the show at the Live Nation venue, we're not playing your show. So we had to let that other band. I mean, the alternative, <laughs> we can't just go out and cherry pick a band of that caliber to come here and play at Rivers Edge. So the alternative is fine. I guess you you play the show. Um, but if 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 you were to reverse the roles, right? And Live Nation already had a show booked, and we said, hey, we want this band to come here. That would never happen. Um, so it's a it's a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, Rivers Edge is definitely still punching above its weight class and mm-hmm. i'm i'm oh, yeah. perfectly taking that rocky underdog role like i'm, I'm fine with that that works for me one of the hardest things that we do though is we call it the war room we start right after the holidays in the winter time and uh, we have a committee and everybody comes in with their ideas and this and that and uh, 
just trying to find the bands and you know you think you got one then they give you a, a verbal and when you go to you know commit to it and make it you know do the contracts so, oh man we just got zipped up with sedeshi trucks we're going on tour sorry we can't go like no you can't do that you know yes you can sedeshi trucks for crying out loud but so, we we run into that a lot what can can you tell us some of the bands that um that you've been close to getting, I know Adam, you mentioned a few, but there, there's got, I would imagine after 10 years, there's got to be every year we have this band. We don't have this band. We've been chasing Blackberry smoke for a few years. Um, it just hasn't worked out. And, uh, we know that would be a crowd pleaser at our place. And what stops it? Is the band's interested? Oh but, yeah. The band's now see that you understand. Um, as I go through this, the bands don't know any of this. Okay. You know, the bands just look and say, okay, we're playing in Dallas tomorrow night. You know, their agents and their their managers are all the buffers for that. They have no idea, you know. Um, but we've had them and not had them. They, you know, and it just, it's just the way the music business works. Yeah. Blackberry Smoke's been on the radar for a while. <clears throat> They're a tough one. Because uh, a lot of them, we talked about Live Nation a little bit, like they'll, they'll build a, a majority of their tours playing amphitheater shows that are our live nation venues not specifically blackberry smoke but if you're you know a venue a live nation venue it certainly makes sense to book them in this market so they usually end up there what what live nation venue is is around here is rivers river uh, bin uh the i think rose music center um and then the new one in kentucky that they're building okay is going to be a live nation venue and I'm not sure anymore what the arrangement is at Riverbend. Um, I try not to worry about it because there's not a lot I can do right. about no, it. Right, that so makes just... sense. <clears throat> yeah. So you you have, um, you know, a, a good support of other venues around that you may be able to catch other place, other bands coming through, whether it be Indianapolis or even as close as Dayton, and then you have new places being built. Um, at, do you see that as like building the category for music overall and, and you know, uh, the uh, tide will rise all boats or, um, uh, you know, is it, is it starting to like become harder every year because of the, the, the size of a live nation or the size of whoever else is, you know, in your way? And it's a combination of all that. Man, I mean, our niche, like our niche is always going to be, if you look at like a big festival lineup, our niche is always going to be the undercard, you know, like best case scenario, somebody in the middle mm -hmm. of, of that. We're never going to be, and I'm not trying to be defeatist, but like we're never going to have Foo Fighters come mm -hmm. and play here in Hamilton unless, you know, a million dollars falls out of the sky and into my lap or something. Um, but yeah, we're always going to be in that level. So I don't know that the, the big venues um, hurt us, you know, challenge us as much. Uh, what about in a category of... Um, so, I mean, you have rock shows, you have country shows, you have bluegrass shows, you, you know, you have categories of music, you have, you know, a, a, a smattering of, of uh, shows that have all types of music. I mean, is like, so River's Edge has, uh, your country music is called uh, Wimmy Diddle, correct? Right. Okay. So, um, it, it, and that's actually taken some really good roots and some of the, some of the, you know, quote unquote, bigger names you've mentioned played that show. So do you, do you see that that is a... Um, like a genre of music or a, an idea for a festival that has competition coming at it? Because prior to that, I don't really know how many country festivals there really were, at least. Yeah, Whispering Beard Folk Festival is probably pretty mad at us. We kind of do the same thing they do. Yeah. Uh, they, 
and we got we got lucky though. You know, you got. I give it all the credit to Adam, like, like plucking Tyler Childers. Yeah. I mean, we plucked him, and he was playing bars. By the mm-hmm. time he played our venue, he was playing big venues. How did he get on your radar? We we just liked him. We liked him. I don't know. We we watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah, or we listen to Spotify or whatever. Yeah. The I don't spend a lot of time listening to established artists. I have my my favorites. I'm always constantly digging through new new music. Yeah. So you're you're sifting. You're trying mm-hmm. to find the next thing. Mm-hmm. Which um, I will say you you've been pretty darn successful at because even um, I mean names that people won't necessarily recognize, but they would if they would have seen them on stage at, uh, at Wimmy Diddle, but, or any of the shows. Um, but Tyler Childers, you mentioned, but like someone like even Jamie Wyatt, I mean, that's somebody who is out of obscurity to most people around here. But honestly, if you keep paying attention, she will become Mm -hmm. more, maybe not a household name and sit next to the comet, but at the same time, she will become more of a household name and her face is going to be on more videos and more, um, uh, music shows and have, you know, would have been, but there's a, there's a long list of bands like that. Right. Uh, anywhere from, you know, like Pokey who would be on Pokey Lafarge, who would be on, um, late night television. And I think it gave people a sense of pride to say that guy was in my town, yep. but that list and in many ways, it feels to me like it started with him, but that's just because that's probably where I checked in. But that list has grown pretty strong. The, the, the bands that were quote unquote not known and, or perhaps a nobody at the time to now where they are on stage playing with or performing with, you know, bands that are household names. It goes a lot back, like a, goes back to building relationships with the agents and, um, again, the revivalists helping us out. Um, for the first few years we would, you know, just send emails to the festival agents and say who's available on these dates. And they would give us a, big laundry list of bands and we'd sort through them and pick out who we thought had potential, who would resonate well in Hamilton. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's how we got, did it in the early years, picking off the bottom, you know, new clients on the roster and build a relationship and slowly coming up. But, um, yeah, another one you plucked was, uh, it was a Bishop gun. Yeah. Bishop gun like, last year. Yeah. We were sitting in, in the green room with him when he got a call and he hung up. He's like, I get to open for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. You know, that happened yeah. at our venue. Right. So that kind of stuff is cool to us. We, really we had good. to, I mean, Tyler Childers, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Tyler Childers, the year that he played here, had an offer to play Bunbury. Now, it wasn't a headline spot. We were offering him a headline spot at our festival, but um, Tyler Childers actually picked uh, Women Diddle over Bunbury in 2018. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with his ideology as an, as an artist. Uh, we sold him pretty hard on this is an independent, you know, music festival. It's a, it's a Rust Belt town, not too dissimilar from where, where Tyler's from. So hopefully that resonated. Maybe it was a money. I don't, I don't know, but, um, we were glad, glad to have him here. You mentioned money. How much can you mention money? About well, like what we pay bands? Well, just a ballpark. I'd hate, hate for you to give up. The most know. we've ever paid a band at River's Edge is $50,000. The most we've ever paid a band for a free show at River's Edge is $25,000. So do the math. I mean, I don't know. Try to, try to match up who made what. Sure. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that you, you, know, you do have to spend money to make money, or you do have to spend money to maybe uh, uh, succeed, I guess. I mean, you can book all the local bands you want, but at some point you do have to step out and pull um, put a lot of money on the table to get somebody bigger yeah, back it's at. It's such you. a risk, you know. 
with all that's involved with being outdoors and everything. I mean, just to pull that trigger, it takes some guts. So how is that not what keeps you up Wednesday night? It, it, does. it does. That's the, okay. <laughs> it does. Adam made it sound like yeah. he was calm and cool because he was done. But I would I would be awake all night long if that's if if I knew that there's a chance for rain and I have fifty thousand dollars on the table. Man, the early years it used to keep me up all the time, and we'd make like decisions that morning, like, hey, we got to move to the the show wagon. Uh, but after whatever that whatever that big river get down year was with the temperance movement like the wild men it was like 2016 or 17 Rained when we just day. sat out there in the downpour like sitting on tarps and after i realized like holy cow we held it down with tarps and we kept everything dry i was like we can weather some some storms here like i don't have to worry about it as much and that you know that's a testament to to our crew um but what we can't handle is a remnants of a, of a hurricane or whatever like we had in mm-hmm. you know, uh, 2018. Yeah, we, we got people, you know, we got Andy Kirk and, you know, Hannah Carmen, the light. I mean, they took so much off our plate by taking that. We're so great. And Clint Cole. Yeah. And, and these then, are folks people would would recognize if, yeah. if this was a video and you would show a picture. You see these people every week. At every Rivers week. Edge. And they're up under the tents and you're just like, what are these guys doing? They're They're... They're making us proud of what they're doing. Now, are they community members? They work for the city, or how, what's they're, their connection? Some of them are volunteers. Volunteers. Um, we have that's uh, Andy's the uh, head of sound in front of the house, and uh, Clint's on the stage, and Hannah does the lights, and it's just people come there and like, oh, you know, it's, it's professional. That's a stage. <laughs> you know? Like that's a that's a uh, nuance of Rivers Edge to our stage crew. Um, they're. They're seasonal employees, so they make like nine, ten bucks an hour. Yeah, but college we, interns. But we call them interns, and so Andy, our our <clears throat> production manager, sends a blast out to excuse me <clears throat> to local colleges and says, "Hey, we are doing this summer internship program in production. Here's what you can expect: fifteen shows, whatever." And we get applications from you know all over. Was it CCM? I don't know what's the what's the music college in, in Cincinnati. Yeah, they're from all over. But uh yeah, we get a she does a great job. It's it's some people come back from year to year, most of them are new and it's it's a the people who run the lights and put the stage together are basically new every year. The constant on the stage crew is Andy Kirk and uh, and Clint Cole. Mm-hmm. Um so they they do a a great job with that. You wouldn't think that it's you know people going to college in some cases in high school running running that stuff but they, they do one, one of the biggest compliments i remember was uh in one of my favorite concerts um was one of the big river get downs when we had bad company and uh they came off the stage bad, we had bad company here or not bad company um <laughs> man i missed that one yeah, the, yeah that was one that got one? that was one of the ones that got away yeah <clears throat> we almost had them um the record company i'm sorry yeah and uh the guy came off the stage and hugged me and said and I'm I'm gonna cuss here, but I'm quoting. He said, "We thought that was gonna be a shit show, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you guys were incredible, because they just flew in from California. They didn't even have their instruments. We had everything, you know. And uh, yeah, they showed up with guitars and like yeah, like thought like had to coming into Hamilton, Ohio. Like yeah, we got backline covered for you. And I picked them up from the airport in my personal vehicle the night before and gave them a ride back to Hamilton. They're asking me questions. I'm like ah. Eh. Like production questions. Production is not my world. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't know. I think we got a wire for that. 
I think we got a cable for that. <laughs> but like they're asking me all this. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, so they, yeah, they completely th- thought it was going to be a giant cluster. Yeah, wow. they were. They were. They, they were, were nominated but, for a Grammy that, yeah. that year. Yeah. So. By the time they left, they were they were quite impressed, and I got a free T-shirt out of the deal. Oh, good for you! Yeah. Not not just a free T-shirt, but again, that's the uh, building the reputation or or making what we do relevant for people to make an easy decision to to come here or, um, you know, hope, I'm going to go back to, um, uh, what Max said about, uh, the bands don't necessarily know where they're going to go. So these, so these guys are flying into Hamilton, Ohio or Cincinnati, yeah. uh, but coming into a show in Hamilton, not knowing obviously never have played here before and probably didn't really know anyone who ever did play here before. And, uh, they get picked up by you in your personal vehicle, I'm assuming, and uh yes yes and and so you you instill confidence in them the moment they shut the door <laughs> most of the time i mean i, I have a better understanding most of the time they're not asking me about like cables and stuff i don't know but these guys were asking me about cables um most of it's like hey we're looking glad you're here we got a great setup for you and i can usually schmooze them but these guys were they, they produced their own grammy nominated album in their living room so these guys were all about knowing what was up and i couldn't answer their questions so they were pretty concerned yeah, um, we've had uh, bands roll up. You know, you've been in the bands. You know, they're like, we can sleep in a bed tonight. <laughs> they don't have to sleep in their, you know, in their bus. Uh, you guys are feeding us. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like we went up the road and we saw a record in that record store on Main Street. You know, so that kind of stuff is cool. It's very cool. That's so. In, in other words, a band comes here, they stay in Hamilton. They're at the whatever. What's the hotel called there? The Courtyard. Courtyard. Marriott. And you put them up for the evening, and they and we, get, we try to give them the rock and roll level. I mean, because most of these are most of these bands are you know club club level acts, and they they show up and like they're lucky if they get peanuts in the in the green room right. or something. They're like we give them a hotel and, and and feed them a meal and try to make them make them feel really really welcome, and they love it. So well, and, and the stuff that is surrounding <clears throat> River's Edge now in terms of Markham and and all the shops and you know into and just all the different places you can go municipal. I mean, there's a there's a scene that not only the concert goers are getting to enjoy, but especially the bands if they're willing to hang around and just kind of feel the vibe of the city. That in many ways, I mean, you guys created. That's it wasn't there before. Yeah, we didn't we didn't try to create. You know, we we weren't out there to get bars and restaurants downtown. That's more of the the city manager's job. But we we did know that if we brought in bands that would attract the type of people that would like to eat at restaurants or bars or go to municipal brew works, then we would eventually cultivate that scene. Um, and that's what happened. I like to tell people we planted a, planted a seed with music and like when river's edge was first started, like there was no roof. Then we got a roof. Then we got Markham park and then municipal brew works mm-hmm. and then the markham apartments uh i mean third street music popped up well before that and then second yeah tano's like everything just started started snowballing after we did after we did music yeah it seems to all kind of work hand in hand very well yep you you had mentioned um andy kirk is that right with a k at the end correct um so he he 
fishes out and tries to find uh, volunteers to help. Is is that something that like people within the community can also kind of reach out to somebody and volunteer well, and well, help don't, out? Don't There's ask Andy about volunteering because he yeah. will not let you within a hundred yards of a cable or or a lighting fixture. I'm just but kidding. Love you. We have a lady. We have a lady that does our volunteers. Yeah. Her name is uh, Peggy Bangy. If you would uh, like to volunteer for a show, we need volunteers for. Um, working in the in the beer booths, handing out wristbands, scanning tickets. Now that we have to do tickets this year, um, what else? Ushers, ushers. I mean, it's unbelievable how much goes into a show that you got to wrap your mind around. That you need all this stuff, but it takes at least twenty volunteers per show, hmm. um, depending on crowd. But like. 15 to 20 per show, you know, something like Big River Get Down over the course of, of a day or two. I mean, you're talking like 80, 80 to 100 people. And like Hamilton never lets us down. Uh, Peggy's doing it now before Peggy was Karen Whitmer. And Hamilton has never not once shown up to help us out for a show. Uh, it's been the support from the community is incredible, not just the volunteers, but the corporate sponsors. Like it, 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 this is what happens when everybody's pulling in the same direction. Um, it's really incredible. And we do have volunteers that work on the stage, but you got to come from that background. Um, that's just can't show up. That's uh, I remember we read a writer one time and if you want to have fun, read writers for bands, especially the hospitality and they go shopping for it, Yeah, which we've all done in this room. What's the craziest thing you've had to buy? Um, dog that speaks Russian. Somebody asked for a dog that speaks Russian. We had one that said the the steps or entrance to the stage has to face Texas, <laughs> or we will not play your venue. And they just do that so you, they know that you read the writer, you, you know. Yeah. But um, how did you get past the the Russian speaking dog? Because I'm, I'm imagining you did not succeed at that. I um, uh, I prefer to keep how we tied them over. Secret. That's the secret of River's Edge. It's part of our secret sauce. Gotcha. It's, right. it's a special condiment. <laughs> Would um, you've you've mentioned Re- Revivalist and David Shaw a couple times in his management? Would River's Edge look differently if if David Shaw wasn't um, you know current or or you know part part of today's culture? I I think so. I mean, um, Little Texas and like Del Gray. There are people from here, and like Del's been supportive. Um, gotten to know him a little bit over the years but uh dave really dove in head first and i he's about the same age as me um so when i was starting this i was 26 he was he was in his mid-20s too so uh, he he dove in head first and really got me excited about the the original live music concept um so yeah i think i think it looks drastically different Mm. um with without them i think we have uh three constants well except Good. for us two um i think it's constant we've we've had uh david shaw and revivalist uh josh brock and 90 proof twang and scotty bratcher i think has played every year except and, for this year yeah Big river get down we had to hiatus right right I kind of am not counting this year yeah i'm not counting this year either this is we're just trying to do like get to the next week yeah <laughs> get to the next week Get to the next week so what so. uh on uh, shows that are coming up so next week uh the, we're recording this the the week out or the couple days after july 4th i think it's tuesday correct um so a couple days we have scotty bratchard and 
G GA twenty. Yes. Right. Who? What? What other shows do we have coming up that you can remember off the top of your head? Uh, July sixteenth is Allman Brothers Live at the Fillmore. Live at the Fillmore Allman Brothers tribute. July twenty third is Ghost of Paul Revere with Neil Francis. July 30th is ACDC tribute with a Metallica tribute. August 6th is TBD with Motherfolk. Uh, August 14th, uh, we can announce it. We just got to confirm today. Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band and Sierra Farrell. August 27th is Southern Avenue and Lowdown Brass Band. September. You're, you're doing good. September 4th, Friday of Labor Day weekend, is a Lady Gaga and Madonna tribute band, two-for-one package. That's going to be a good show. Uh, September 11th, Friday, September 11th, is North Second Crew with Dead Centric and Camo. Saturday, September 19th, is Signs of Life, uh, Pink Floyd tribute. October 1st is the... Chicken Wire Empire with the Red Clay Strays. October 8th is 90 Proof Twang with Dallas Moore and Jim Burns Band. October 17th, their last show of the year, and that's Face to Face, which is an Elton John and Billy Joel tribute band. How's that from memory? I'm impressed. Yeah, that's I'm going to say, that's, wow. And you really weren't reading anything. No, like I, don't, were, I don't have a script. I'm you were looking into space the right. entire time, and I imagine you're picturing a calendar. This this has been re these dates have been replayed so many times in my head when trying to find bands and match up dates. But like that's I, that's a whole new season that some, these a lot of these bands were already on the season, but they weren't on these dates. I mean, yeah, you're going to, all the way into October we, this year. We bumped them. Yeah, yeah, we bumped all of June back to uh, October. Uh, in September, we had to we had to reschedule ACDC tribute to late July. Some bands have dropped off. It's it, like like I said, it doesn't it doesn't stop. Normally, it it slows down. Uh, you get everything announced in March, and, and then it's a little bit smoother sailing from there. But this year has just been bonkers. Yeah, you also, can't explain it. Well, and you have all sorts of um, rules and regulations that you have to follow and and um, encourage. I, I imagine this year is a nightmare in, well, in that sense. We didn't even know we could open until uh, we officially could reopen on June 19th. I think they've made that announcement on like June 10th or something like that. So our first show was July 4th. And then we had to, you know, make the plastic partitions for the for the beer booths and the tents. Like there, were, there was a lot of work that went into accommodating the state's uh, guidelines. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been a sprint from about mid-june to july 4th just to get this up and, rolling. and i just have to say that you know if if i was running paul brown stadium or wherever wherever the reds play you know great american ballpark i would take what adam helms has done and i would try to do that in my venue if covid you know keeps going on you know i would make it 10 9 10 people groups and then skip over and and uh, I mean, he—he's. I mean, I—I I give all credit to Adam on that. I mean, I was like, at first I thought he was crazy, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that ain't bad. What's with the past tense again? Because it, it started. It started with two people in the square, but we got it to nine. Yeah, it was. It was supposed <laughs> to be like four. Well, whatever it was. Um, but man, that's like innovative to me that you would even have the gonads to to try to do this when everybody else in the area shut it down. Rocky doesn't quit, man. 
I'm, I'm going to add in there because um, if I'm following the dates right, you mentioned that you found out you could open in mid-June and you actually had your first show July 4th. And knowing how difficult the steps have been that you've mentioned so far and how many complications and, and just you know knowing how COVID-19 has just thrown a wrench into everybody's plans, I can't imagine that you started planning that show or the concert series on June 10th. I have a feeling that you started building that bridge earlier than that in your mind to, to make adjustments along the way. There's, I mean, th- that's a credit to have that kind of foresight or at least determination to, to continue to try. Yeah, so our, I mean, our first show at River's Edge of the Year was scheduled for May 29th. Uh, but before that, we had our Wimmy Diddle Festival lineup announcement show on Friday, March 13th. Like, this is why you don't host, show, like, host shows on Friday the 13th. But that was the day Sierra Farrell was scheduled to play at the Fitton Center. That was also the day the state of Ohio shut everything down. So Sierra Farrell was supposed to come. And instead of canceling the show, we just were like, well, we're going to live stream it. Because mm-hmm. we still think when we did, it can happen at this point. So we're going to live stream Sierra Farrell's show, get the lineup announcement out there. We pivoted in that scenario and made it happen. Was the live stream done by the same group that would be doing the River's Edge Amphitheater? I mean, uh, we have we have a partner, Lifeboat Digital Media. Um, we've worked with them in the past okay. to, to do some video work. Um, so they, they came up and did the live stream for us. And we had actually, no, we had not planned to do a live stream. We had we had to spin that together last minute. You were just going to do a live show. Yeah, it was just a live show. And then we pivoted real quick to the live stream, made that happen. And then, um, like I said, our first show at River's Edge was supposed to be May 29th. And, you know, I guess March 13th is when it all clicked. That like, yeah, this isn't going to happen as normal. So I started thinking. And my target date when I thought things would begin to happen again was July 4th because I said, I don't, I don't know that you can shut America down on Independence Day. So I'm like, I'll target July 4th as our first show of the year. And that's, that's where we're at. Um, and now we're just kind of tiptoeing as we go. Yeah. So there's a good, to what, what uh, Max was saying, there's, there's a good chance that there are other people who are trying, who now have permission to do something and maybe they're trying to put stuff together because now they can. But again, I, I mean, my hat's off to you for, for moving it forward without, uh, knowing where the heck you're really going to be able to go. That's good foresight. Yeah. I mean, I manage a band and we're, we were canceled all the way past October. So everything's shut down, you know, all the big shows. That's, and, that's the hard, hard thing about all this, I think, and it gets lost in it. And, I, and there's a couple like Jim Burns and, um, you know, if I, I'd get Josh back here and ask him, but some of these bands that play out all the time, like I, I think there's a really good story that they can tell because a lot of for for a lot of musicians like this is just not side income it's real income, and um, you know I'll, I'll put Josh in this category ninety proof twang but I'll put Jim Burns um at the top of this list uh unless J- Josh is in the room then I'll put him at the top of the list but I mean the hardest working musicians that live around here i mean these guys play every weekend every time they have a chance every open mic night there is they'll host and to have all that shut down um you know to me there's there's uh a a real value in knowing that you have someone out there like adam and or river's edge in theory that is trying to champion getting people back to work faster than their yeah. able to get back I mean, to work. Absolutely. You know, we, we looked out and, and we were playing other states and everything. And then 
when we rescheduled with River's Edge. Yeah, this is 90 Proof Twain you're talking that's about. That's correct. Okay. Um, that was something to hang our hat on. You know, okay, let's build back around this October show. And, you know, and it gives you hope. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's a big deal that, um, you know, not all the, I mean, we've had bands drop off and everything, but, you know, it's just incredible that they have a place. They're very thankful that they have a place to play. Right. I would imagine, Adam, your phone, if it hasn't already, it will continue to ring off the hook once people know that there is a venue that has it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it does. And they asked, do you want to add dates? And I said, well, we can't add dates. We're not a full-time music venue, but, um, yeah, there are a lot of people calling from, um, around the country saying, Hey, can we come and come and play there? And I said, well, we're not ready to do a show on a Tuesday night yet or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, but again, in, in the fact that we can make calls to, to pivot on, on short notice, we can make calls to agencies or or bands that have played here before and, and they'll come back. Like we, we just called Reverend Payton on, I don't know, last, last Friday or Thursday before, like the, 4th of July. I'm like, Hey man, we have uh, this date open. I didn't call Reverend Payton directly, but his management and they got right back to us and they're like, yeah, let me see if we can make this work. We'd love to come there again. And before you know it, we got, we got something in the works. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot different now than it was in the early years when they were asking us to call them back after our toilets. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm out of questions. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you want to say? Anybody you want to thank? Anybody that uh, you want to say, see, I told you someday I'd be on a podcast, na 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 na. I mean, anything? Well, you know, I always wanted to be on a podcast and or start my own. Uh, no, seriously, I'd like to thank, uh, you know, the people that come out to River's Edge, all the bands that come, um, and all the volunteers that we have. And, uh, you know, this started as a, a conversation and, here we are yeah, now. nine years later, and although we're dealing with some issues, you know, with the current situation, uh, we kind of put ourselves on the map. So I can't believe we're here. I never in my wildest dreams that I think this was going to happen. Like before I moved here, I was in Green Bay and we had like a farmer's market and uh, they they do smaller localish bands. And that was cool. I thought that was cool. I grew up in like a, a podunk town. Like we didn't have live music on the square or anything like that. So I thought a band in, in downtown Green Bay was pretty awesome. So when we came here, I'm like, yeah, we can replicate this concept. And uh, I thought it would be something similar, you know, to I guess what Hamilton had been doing before. But, you know, thanks to some of the connections and a lot of hard work and the support of an entire community, like it's come together. Um, there's a lot of chance involved in this. I mean, we could, we could talk about this all day. I could write a book about it, you know, from David Shaw, um, to our production crew and how that works to Steve and the timing of, you know, Hamilton going through a, a sort of renaissance, if you will, and coming up with the music. Um, I just, <laughs> it's so unlikely. I mean, I, I, I come down here from Wisconsin and like, I don't know anybody and I'm asking people for money to put on rock shows. Like, why would you give, uh, thank you sponsors for giving us money. Please continue to, to help sponsor the shows. But like, 20 why would you give 26 year old adam who you've never met before right. um money to put on shows and it's not i'm sorry the hamilton community foundation but um i think a lot of it goes to like one person we don't talk about enough is my, is my boss at the city um city manager joshua smith 
Uh, we've had some challenges, like we talked about with the concert series getting off the ground. And from day one, he's been a big supporter. And he's never never questioned me about about what we were doing. Um, about he, had, he supported us when we wanted to sell beer in the park. Um, and really, you know, what him and city council have done over the past decade since we've been here is incredible. So like that guy has helped turn around an entire city. He's been supportive of River's Edge. Hamilton City Council has been supportive of River's Edge, the entire community, the business, uh, the businesses. Um, so again, it's everybody, everybody moving in that same direction. And this is the result. Um, but yeah, like Steve said, thanks to, thanks I, to everybody I who's gotta, ever come out to a show or any of that stuff. I got to mention some, one more, um. Do you know how grouchy we are before a big show? We have to thank our wives because <laughs> they put up with some stuff. You know, me standing outside looking up in the sky going, why is it raining today and, and being grouchy at home uh, when you're under pressure and stuff like that. But i like to thank my wife, Tammy, and you go ahead. Yeah, my, yeah, my wife, Megan. The, uh, our son, I can't remember, it was either a Scotty Bratcher show or an ACDC show. But our oldest son was either born on the day of or the day before. Wow. And I had to leave my wife at the hospital to go set up for the show. And she was cool with it. Uh, <laughs> she was completely cool with it. A um, little, little tense there for a second. But, um, yeah, she puts up with a lot, me being gone and all the time. So, yeah, thanks, Megan. Very good. All right. Well, um, Steve and uh, Adam, I greatly appreciate your time. And, uh uh, one last thing with uh, people who wanted to volunteer, you said they could reach out to a, a Peggy Bangy, and how would they do that? A Peggy Bangy, so you can you can send us an email, or I'm sorry, a message via our Facebook page, and we'll send you her email address or message to the website, and we'll we'll get you in touch with her. Which is Rivers Rivers Edge Live dot com, same place you can find tickets for all the shows uh, this year. As a reminder, everybody has to buy tickets this year. Very important piece here. When we're done with this, when we are done with coronavirus, we are going back to we free promise. concerts. We are we going promise. back to free concerts. I don't want to spray paint lines in the grass every week. <laughs> I don't want to give refunds for tickets. I don't want to manage ticket requests. We're going to go back to free concerts. This is There's no conspiracy here. Well, thank you guys for what you're doing for the music scene. Thanks for having us, Todd. Thanks. I appreciate it.